Okay, so today's daf is uh, Yud Bet in Pesachim. We're getting to uh, some of the um, uh, better known um, halachot here of Pesach. So it's uh, great as we lead up to, uh, to Pesach halacha lemaaseh here, the Mishnah in the middle of the Amud that we didn't get to. So we'll try to move a little faster so we get to the bottom of the, you know, the, through the next uh, daf too. Rabbi Meir Omer, Rabbi Meir says, now remembering, keeping in mind that whenever we're talking about hours in halacha, just a quick reminder, so we're always talking about what's called shaud zmaniyot. It's really, um, fra- it's really, you could say, uh, percentages, yeah, what they call it halachic hours, shaud zmaniyot. And the, the, what it really is is percentages of the day as opposed to um, as opposed to 60 minute hours so in other words when they talk about the end of the third hour they're talking about the first quarter of the day light and when they talk about chatzot they mean the halfway point and so on um, and you divide that of course into 12 just like we divide the hour they divide the hours into 12 but it's going to be relative to dividing the daylight into equal portions so just keeping that in mind. But around Pesach time, the day is just about even. It's almost uh, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. So it almost works out, the, uh, you know, using 10, 9, 11, all that. So 9 a.m. would be the end of the third hour and the beginning of the fourth hour, if you're counting from 6. 10 a.m. is the end of the fourth hour, the beginning of the fifth. 11 a.m. is the end of the fifth and the beginning of the sixth. And midday is the beginning of the seventh hour, because you're already starting the second half of the day. That's just to keep that in mind. So what Rabbi Meir says is, kol You can eat the entire fifth hour. That means from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Okay, when do you start burning the chametz? In the beginning of the sixth hour, which we would call in this in this model eleven a.m. Okay, Rabbi Yudaomer, it's actually a little bit later than that usually, but uh, it, roughly. Rabbi Yudaomer, ochlin kol According to Rabbi Yehuda, we eat the whole fourth hour, meaning you eat until ten a.m., which is what we do. Vetolin kol chamesh, the fifth hour, meaning from ten a.m. to eleven a.m., you can tolin. That means you don't burn it. You can own it, you can have it, but you can't eat it. He agrees that when do we start burning the chametz in earnest, that you have, really have to burn it. That is from 11 a.m. and on. Then this is the halacha follows Rabbi Yehuda. We stop at 10 a.m. It's usually like more like 10.40 according to the luach, but, or 10.30 or something like that, but it's not too far off. They, were, they used to have outside the Beit HaMikdash a little like uh, area, seating area. They had like a little platform there. And they would put two chalot toda, two of the bread that went along with the koban toda that were chametz, they would pl- that were pasul, and we're going to learn more in the Gemara why they were pasul, they were sitting on top of this ledge, as long as you had both of them sitting there, that's a signal that you could still eat chametz. Once somebody came on be- at the behest of the betin would come and remove one of them, so tolin. Then that meant a signal that it was 10 a.m., right? You couldn't, uh, you could no longer eat, but you could still own it, okay? What? You right, you right. You could still uh-huh. eat it. You can't eat it, but you don't have to burn it yet. And once they're both gone, it's once uh, it, the, both of them are gone, that means it is now 11 a.m. and you have to burn the chametz. So at 10 a.m. they would remove the first one, right? And then at 11 a.m. they would remove the second one. He has a middle uh, intermediate position that's uh, sort of similar to 
Uh, it shares, uh, you know, aspects with both Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Huda. He says, Definitely like Rabbi Huda, you can only eat ordinary chametz uh, until 10 a.m. He agrees with Rabbi Huda about that. But Tumagul Chamesh, he says, what, that, that fifth hour from 10 to 11, I agree with Rabbi Yehuda that you can't eat normal chametz during that time. But I agree with Rabbi Meir that it's not really prohibited to eat chametz. So therefore, if there's a mitzvah to eat the chametz, such as there's Tumah or something like that, and you're going to end up destroying this Tumah rather than have a coin eat it, so you're allowed to eat it because the mitzvah to eat. It. So therefore, the, the truma, which is a mitzvah to eat, you can eat during the fifth hour, so that you meaning from 10 to 11, so that you don't have the uh, have to destroy it. But everyone agrees that at 11 a.m. Uh, is when you begin burning the chametz. The question is during that fifth hour. Rabbi Yehuda, the only question is really during the fifth hour, right? That's, that's some achloka between the three. Rabbi Yehuda says you cannot eat it, but you don't have to burn it yet. Rabbi Meir says you can even eat it. And Rabban Gamliel says you can eat uh, truma, which is a mitzvah to eat, but you can't eat regular, ordinary chametz during that time. Okay, that's, that's the three-way machloket here. Now the Gemara is going to connect this to a, uh, another dis- discussion between Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yehuda regarding edut, actually, which is, seems like very far-fetched to connect the two, but the Gemara always sees connections and links between you know, different subjects that share a certain feature. What's the feature here? The feature here is that everybody agrees that when does the Torah say you have to stop eating chametz? At chatzot. Everybody agrees it's midday is the time. So Rabbi Meir is pulling it back, uh, you know, uh, before that, an hour. He's saying that you're allowed to eat all the way up to 11 a.m., but at 11 a.m. you have to stop, right? That's, in other words, he's saying, you know, you can go through the fifth hour, then 11 a.m. you have to stop. So one hour ahead of when the Torah says you can't. And according to Rabbi Yehuda, we're giving you two hours ahead because you can't eat from all the way from 10 a.m. to 12, even though really the Torah's prohibition begins at 12. Okay, so, that, so the question is, what, the, the assumption of the Chachamim, the assumption of the Gemara is that this is based upon the, the, the concern that a person will make a mistake, obviously, because that's why the rabbis make Zerot, because people will make a mistake. So we see in other cases, when it comes to hours, Rabbi Yehuda also tends to think that people will make more of a mistake than Rabbi Meir does. And here's the example, because it's not Adam, we learn over there, and this is coming from the Halachot of Edut and Masechet Sanhedrin, actually. It says, You have two witnesses that come, and they both testify to, let's just say for argument's sake, a murder, okay, to make it simple, because later on it's going to say it's a capital punishment case, okay? So one guy says it happened on the second day of the month, the second of Kislev it happened. The other guy says, no, no, no it was the third of Kislev. So edutan kayemet, you don't have to throw out their edut, even though it seems to contradict, why not? Because because they didn't have a calendar from Chabad that told them when Rosh Chodesh was, they just counted from the previous month. They knew when the 30th day was of the previous month of Cheshvan. And so they said, oh, to, uh, I think I thought Rosh Chodesh was Monday. And the other guy realized, no, 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 it was, uh, it was a one day Rosh Chodesh. So Rosh Chodesh wasn't, until, wasn't counted until Tuesday, not Monday, right? Whatever. So therefore, since they weren't sure, that it's easy to make a mistake of one day in the beginning of the month. It's easy to make a mistake of one day because you don't realize where you're counting from. That's why even today you could have that with a calendar because a person will think, oh, the first day of Rosh Chodesh is day one, but it's really not. Really, it's day 30 of the previous month. Okay? Now, however, if they're two days off, so now you already have to wonder if they're talking about the same incident at all or if they're lying or whatever. So, we throw out the testimony based on that two-day discrepancy. A one-day discrepancy, we can rationalize it. In other words, the way to think of it is like this. We have to accept valid testimony, right? We have to accept it. So that means if there is some mistake that can be a margin of error mistake, we have to accept that that's a natural margin of error. 
But if it's clear that this is a discrepancy, then we throw it away. One guy says it was at the second hour, meaning it was eight o'clock in the morning. The other one says it was nine o'clock in the morning, third hour. Okay, so then edutan kayemet. That's so close that you know the. Uh, it's very possible that they're talking about the same time, and they're saying, uh, you know, uh, what we, you know, they're saying Persian time. You know, it's like around the eight o'clock, which is the same as ten. No, they're saying it's nine. Here, it's only saying Ashkenazi time. Eight o'clock is nine o'clock. Right? That's it. It's, but but Persian time, two hours off. That's not good. Right? Edutan betela. Rabbi Meir says two hours. A person will not make a mistake like that. Okay. So, so if one witness says it happened at nine o'clock, and one witness says it happened at eleven o'clock, so that's too much of a discrepancy. One guy could be uh, lying, or you know, we cannot reconcile, right? Now, that's uh, Rabbi Yehuda says no. Rabbi Yehuda Omer edutan kayemet. Rabbi Yehuda says even a discrepancy of those two hours, we could possibly reconcile and say that actually they are speaking about. The same event, and they're not in a, they're not in contradiction with one another. They didn't have watches, so they're using a uh, they're using they're looking at the sun and judging by the time of day, and and they're making an estimation about what time it was. Right? What well, is daytime? We're talking about the morning. Yeah. If one says the fifth hour, meaning eleven o'clock, and one says it's at one o'clock, okay. That's already past the, uh, or really it could be, it could be said, I mean, it means, it means, Besheva means the beginning of Sheva. We're going to see what, what exactly it means, but, you know, normally, you know, the end of the seventh hour would be one, one o'clock p.m. The beginning of the seventh hour would be 12, right? But the point is that if they're, but Edutan Betela, that in that case, if one is saying it's 11 and one is saying it's one o'clock, Let's say, for argument's sake, so edutam ptela she bechamesh chama b'mizrach v'sheva chama b'marav because at uh, you know because then it's obvious. I mean, you can't you can tell the difference from the shadow. Rashi says if you put your hand up, you'll see where the shadow was cast. If it's going east or west, you could tell whether it's afternoon or whether it's morning, oh, yeah. right? So that so that's not a that's not a reasonable mistake. But two hours in the a.m. period, according to Rabbi Yehuda, is a legitimate mistake, and Rabbi Meir says no. Now, the Gemara is going to take this apart, though. So the first interpretation of, there are going to be three interpretations of what this machloket really means. It's not actually as confusing as it sounds, but it, it uh, you know, but there are three. Rabbi, uh, so Abayi said, there are no mistakes. And according to Rabbi Yehuda, there's a half hour mistake. How so? Because So, Really, Rabbi Meir is saying people don't make errors about the time at all. They're very punctual. They're very precise. Right? So therefore, at the end of second hour and the beginning of the third hour is really the same thing. Right? So when one guy said, Bishtaim, second hour, he meant it, he really meant to say it's 7.59. And when the other guy says, or, or he meant 8 o'clock sharp. Right? So when one guy said the second hour, he meant the exact end of the second hour. And when the other guy said the third hour, he meant the beginning of the third hour. It's really the same minutes. Okay? That, that's what it meant. Right. Two different ways saying the same thing. <laughs> one is saying the end of the second hour. One is saying beginning. Right? So, of the third hour, but really at the same time. And the says, We'll give a person leeway of a half an hour margin of error. We're going to say that we was halfway through the fourth hour, meaning 9.30. Okay? 
And what was the story? The person that said shalosh, third hour, besov shalosh. He, he meant at the end of the third hour, in other words, he was thinking it was closer to 10 o'clock. It was really 9.30. Okay? That's the, uh, 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 that's the, um, uh, right? And, and he was, he was saying, uh, shalosh. he was saying at 9 o'clock, and he was a half an hour early. Right, behind the Kamar Chamesh, and the one that said five, but Chilat Chamesh, he was, he was thinking, he meant to say the beginning of the fifth hour, meaning 10 a.m., and he was just half an hour off the other way. In other words, you can have a range of a half an hour margin of error. So when the guy said third hour, he really meant the end of the third hour, which is 10 a.m., you know, which is, uh, the guy who said, really when it happened was 9.30. So one guy who said third hour meant the end of the third hour, which is 9 a.m., and he was a half an hour early. And the guy who said that it was the fifth hour meant the very beginning of the fifth hour, which is actually 10 a.m. Right, and he was a little bit late. Basically, you have an hour margin of error. Another possibility, Abaye said, That actually, no, we can say that even Rabbi Meir agrees that people make a little bit of a mistake when it comes to time. And uh, Rabbi Yehuda says that a person will make an hour and change mistake. So Rabbi Meir says, Rabbi Meir Adam to Mashul, that we're not going to say that when the guy said two hours and when the guy said three hours that they were really talking about exactly the same time that meant eight o'clock and one meant the eight of, end of two hours and one meant the beginning of the third hour. If we can give a little more leeway than that, that Adam to Mashul, in other words, either it was at 7.50 or it was at 8.10 or something like that. It was like within a small range of time. And so it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, there's some small margin of error there. <laughs> Rabbi Yehuda says, that the Rabbi Yehuda says, you can have an hour and a little bit. That's why Rabbi Yehuda says that the, the, uh, one guy can say third hour, one guy can say fifth hour, and they're talking about the same thing. Because the guy who said third hour meant... That and that meant at the end of the third hour. In other words, the end of the third hour uh, at uh, eight fifty nine. And the guy that said that it was uh, that it was the fifth hour meant at ten oh one, the beginning of the fifth hour, right? So it's just a bit more than an hour, according to that, could be the margin of error, according to Rabbi Yehuda. So that's so Abaye is basically saying that when we hear the witness's testimony, we interpret it in the most. Uh, a reconcilable way. In other words, we're trying to, even though it means creating a margin of error, right, because you could flip it the other way and say, no, the guy that said three hours meant the beginning of the third hour at, at, at eight o'clock. And the guy that said fifth hour meant the end of the fifth hour at 11 o'clock. That's, that's a three-hour uh, margin of error and they're not talking about the same thing. No, 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 we're going to say, Abaye says, no, we're going to say third hour means end of third hour and fifth hour means beginning of fifth hour. We're going to bring them as close as possible to each other. Okay, that's the way Abaye is interpreting. Either we get a half hour margin of error or a whole hour for Rabbi Yehuda. And either Rabbi Meir is saying you get no margin of error at all, really. It's just two ways of saying the same thing. We're assuming the witnesses are saying the same thing in two different ways. Or it's a tiny margin of error. Okay, now we turn to Yud Bet Mordal. So that's, that's, so according to Rabbi Yehuda, you could have one, an hour and change between them. Now, 
Azal Ravuna, Bray the Rav Yehuda, Ravuna the son of Rav Yehuda came and Amar Alesh Matei Kamadei Ravah. He told this over to Ravah what Abaye said. Amar Uma Ilu Daikina Bahanes Adei Dahai Dekamar Shalosh Betchilat Shalosh. Vah Dekamar Chamesh Besov Chamesh Vahavya Edut Mocheshet. He says, Wait a second. Why do you have to interpret it that way? Do the opposite. Say that the guy you said three hours meant the beginning of the third hour at eight o one. And the guy that said fifth hour meant end of the fifth hour at uh, ten fifty nine. Okay, and, and and then what happens? Vahavya and it will be contradictory testimony. And why do you want to do that? Vilakatlina, because then we won't have to kill the guy. We always try to find a way to get the guy out. What are we going to do? We're going. You're going to construct the case your way. And assume that the guy who said three hours means at the end of three hours, and the guy that said five at the fifth hour means the beginning of the fifth hour, in order to reconcile the two testimonies. Why do you do that? You want to do the opposite. You want to throw out the testimony to save the guy. The Torah says, that the, the community judges and the community saves, right? It always we try to save the person from the death penalty. So why would you, uh, why would you try to interpret the, the testimony in the, a way that's favorable to the prosecution? Right. Right, you're supposed to interpret it in favorable to the defendant. So, right, being there, right. So, so the so, right. So, the thing is that Abaye's interpretation is that we assume the most charitable from the prosecution perspective. Right. right? Well, why are you doing that? No. Do, so that can't be what Rabbi Yehuda meant. Rabbi Yehuda cannot mean that we interpret the edut in the way that's most beneficial to the prosecution. Rather, El Amar the Divrei Rabbi Meir, really, this is what it means. Rabbi Meir is saying, Adam Meaning, even if you give the most charity to the defendant, it's still going to be admissible. That must be what Rabbi Meir meant. Not that you have to interpret in a way, that you assume about the testimony the most charitable thing for the witnesses. He's saying that even if you assume the worst for the witnesses, the biggest margin of error, it's still valid. It's still valid. How so? Because that really Rabbi Meir is saying a two-hour window that you can have a two-hour margin of error because he said that if there's somebody who says two hours, somebody says three hours, that we're going to reconcile them. That means even if you assume the worst, that the first guy meant the beginning of the second hour at 7 a.m. And that the other guy meant the end of the third hour at 9 a.m., still we would say that they are saying the same thing. Okay? And that, that, and that Rabbi Yehuda is saying that even if one person said three, third hour, meaning beginning of third hour at 8 a.m., and even if the other guy said meant the end of the fifth hour at 11, we're giving them a three-hour margin of error. That must be what they meant, because if there's a possibility that we, if the, if the testimony would only be acceptable because we imposed an interpretation on it, that they, that brought the witnesses closer together, then we're cheating on behalf of the prosecution, and we never do that. We always we only quote unquote cheat on behalf of the defendant, right? So therefore, the Rabbi Meir Adam to Eshtei Shaot Chaser Mashu Masik Kevav O Betchilat Shtayim O Besov Shalosh VeChad Minahu Katei Bet Shaot Chaser Mashu. We assume the biggest spread that either the event happened at the beginning of the second hour, which is seven a.m. Or it might have even happened at the end of the third hour at 9 a.m. and still we're saying they're talking about the same event and we're not going to throw out the testimony. And according to Rabbi Yehuda, a person can make up to a three-hour minus a little bit mistake. Because the event could have happened at the beginning of the 
third hour at 8 a.m., or it could have happened at 11 a.m., and one of them is just under three hours margin of error. Okay? So that's the, uh, that's the way that Ravaz is interpreting it. In other words, don't assume that Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yehuda are making assumptions about what the witnesses really mean. Even if you assume the worst about what they mean, that there's the widest spread, they're still saying you can't dismiss the testimony. Okay? Now, tonight we learned over there, that they, would, they had what was called chakirot uh, and bedikot, that um, they were different kinds of uh, cross, you know, you could say cross-examination of the witnesses are really like examining the witnesses to see if the, you know, to see the validity of the testimony. And it says, it should say otan, them, the witnesses. Now, they put them in separate rooms, obviously, because they didn't want the witnesses to hear each other. But, the idea was, Bezo Shavua, first of all, which year of the Shemitah did this happen in? Bezo Shana, what year? Bezo Chodesh, which month? Bechama Bechodesh, what day of the month? Bezo Yom, what day of the week? Bezo Sha'a, and what time in Bezo Makom, and what place? Now, these are the fundamental quality characteristics. If you don't have these questions answered, or you say, I don't know, you don't even have testimony. Because you could say whatever you want and get away with it if you don't name the time and the place exactly. Right? Therefore, it's no good. What is the year? Well, that's meaning you have to have the exact date, you know, you know the exact date, because otherwise you'll say, oh, I, when I said uh, third year of the Shemitah, you know, I, I meant, uh, you know, when I, when I said a certain date, I was referring to this, I was referring to that, so you have to be exact, you know, you have to know exactly what the time was and place it to expose you, basically you have to expose yourself to being uh, found a liar, like we learned in Masachet Makot, if you don't give enough information that we can catch you in a lie, like the timestamp on a, you know, now we have on, on our phones, you send a text, you send an email, it says right there when it was sent. You know, you can't, I mean, probably you could hack into it and, and do, do whatever, but, uh, but usually it's used as evidence, right? So now, what's the if they don't know the answer to one of the chakirot, the chakirot are the fundamental questions of what site, what year of the Shemitah, what year, what month, what day of the week, right? What, what day what of the month, central? what day? They need what? to keep track of the year um, of the Shemitah, why is that important? That was part of the date. That was part of the date. So that's how they counted the dates. So the maybe the guy is illiterate and he's not keeping. Then he's not going to be witness. He won't be witness. He has to be able to answer it. If he doesn't answer, that's no good. Bedikot Bedikot are questions that they did to trip up the witnesses. Basically, bedikot means they would ask them questions that if they said I don't know, it's okay. But if they if they say a contradictory answer, that's no good. So they'll be like, what color shirt was the guy wearing? One guy says yellow shirt. The other guy says red shirt. Okay, then even though that's not essential to the case. They'll throw out the, the testimony. But if one guy says red shirt and the other guy says, I don't really remember what color shirt he was wearing. I just saw him kill this guy. So then that's okay. He doesn't have to know what color shirt. Okay? But, he, but if they contradict each other, then it would be a, then it would be a problem. Well, that's Bidikot. Chakirot. If they say we, they don't know the answer to the Chakirot, Edutan Betela. That's Chakirot is the time and the place. Oh, 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 Bidikot oh. means details about what color shirt, oh, what, what, what kind of shoes, time. was he wearing Adidas, Nike, oh, this, that. The Bidikot, if they say I don't know, that's okay not to know what kind of shoes, what kind of shirt. Okay. But if they contradict each other, so then they're making up a story maybe. Oh, so right? Essential question. Essential question, they have to have an answer and obviously has to be the same answer. But if, they, if the non-essential questions, if they don't know the answer, that's okay because you don't need to know that. 
But if they know the, but if each one claims it's this or that and they contradict each other, then you have a problem. But anyway, what are we, we asked the question, we asked, what's the reason why the Edu will be thrown out if you don't know the answer to one of the big questions about time and place is because if we can't locate you and give a time and a place, then how can we do a Hazama? Meaning you have to expose yourself as a false witness, meaning to the, to the challenge of being a false witness, by saying, I saw this happen in such and such place and time. So two other witnesses could come and say, what do you mean? You were with us in Miami on that day. You didn't see what you're, t- what you're talking about, right? You have to. Otherwise, you're not make, if you can avoid hazama, then, wit- then your testimony is not going to be valid. You have to expose yourself to being uh, challenged on the validity. Yeah. So, but, uh, but when it comes to the bidikot, Right? Even if you didn't include the bidikot, what color shirt the guy's wearing, that has nothing to do with hazama. Right? Hazama only relates to where the, we learned in Masachet Makot that in order to invalidate witnesses, two other witnesses have to come and say, you couldn't have, test, you couldn't have witnessed what you claim to witness because on that day and time you were with us in a different place. But that has nothing to do with what color shirt the defendant was wearing. At the time of the crime, right? So that's why they can leave that out. Very basic question. In other words, well, in, so then, so then, according to Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Meir, that they can be saying the wrong time, and we give them a window of two hours, according to Rava, or three hours, right? So then, how can you ever uh, do hazama there? Because you could say, oh, um, because why? Because the amrei mat ekataina, right? Because we'll just say they're making a mistake. In other words, the, the, we said, oh, you were with us at 8 o'clock on, uh, uh, in the morning at the, at the cafe. How could you have seen this murder? Oh, well, I really meant 9 o'clock. Because you're saying they have a three-hour three window. So then you can really never do hazama. So then the answer is, of course, the avenan lehu kulei ta'utai. That means that in order to have hazama, and this is something we didn't really learn in Masachet Makot, but it seems, I don't remember actually it coming up directly in Masachet Makot, but it makes sense. It has to be that the, witness, that the, the, the witnesses that come to invalidate the first set of witnesses can account for the entire margin of error. In other words, they come and say, you were with us from 8 a.m. all the way to 11, whatever. They have to include the entire thing. Right? And so the Rabbi Meir, Yavinan Lehu, Mitchilat Sharu Shona, at Sof Chamesh. Because since Rabbi Meir says that if somebody, that one of the witnesses comes says, it was at two o'clock. And we're saying he gives, I'm sorry, it was at the second hour, right? Which is, which is eight o'clock. So, uh, or the second hour goes from seven to eight. So, right, so we have to give him all the way from the beginning of the first hour, meaning from 6 a.m. all the way up to that point, because it could be that the two hours, uh, the Gemara is going to explain, do, don't include the time before sunrise, because that for sure wouldn't be included in the margin of error. But let's say you said it happened at the second hour. So that's starting from 7 a.m. So we give them all the way from 6 a.m. The witnesses have to have been, the witnesses that come to invalidate them have to have been with them from 6 a.m., right, all the way to... Uh, two hours after that, so seven from right from the eighth all the way from seven a.m. End of third hour. So the end of right. So and uh, end of the third hour. Yeah. And so and and if the other witness, if the other witness said, no, the end of the third hour is nine. Because the third hour starts at eight. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. And if the second witness said third hour, so then that means that the earliest he could have meant was eight o'clock. So then you have to give him all the way back. The witnesses had to have been with him since six a.m. And the uh, and the uh, the uh, on the other end, if there are t- a margin of error of two, so it has to go to the end of the fifth hour, right? It's going to have to go all the way because th- of the margin of error of or the beginning of the fifth hour, I guess, right? 
Right, so oh no, Ad Sof Chamesh, right? So it has to be from Ad Sof Chamesh because if he meant actually the end of the, uh, right, he, he could have meant the end of the third hour and it could go all the way to the end yeah, of the right. fifth hour, right? So, that, so therefore, there's going to be a margin of error that they had to be with him all the way from 6 a.m. all the way to 11, right? Because oh, that's, uh, cause yeah, yeah. in order to cover for that entire margin of error of the two witnesses, both of them, in order to invalidate that. Now, because otherwise they can always say, no, I meant the beginning part of it. I meant this, right? Really? You're asking so many questions on why can't you come and pinpoint exactly? Because we're saying the person hour, thought that was the time. Mean? Is it nine? Is it five to watch. nine? Is it nine? They never watch, watch it. That's the whole point. Yeah, but it was not exact. But you can come and interpret. Do you mean the beginning of the hour or the end of the hour? The whole point is that the whole point is that they people don't register such precise times back then. That was the whole point. Otherwise, we could just ask him, was it 8.56 and 32 seconds? They didn't have that. They didn't know. Right? They didn't know. So you can't have, like, assume everyone has superhuman time-telling ability when they didn't have clocks. Yeah. Right, that too. Yeah, so last time you sent yeah. me a text, do you remember what time it was? <laughs> yeah, you don't know. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway, <laughs> really, we could have given them even more and said it has to go back to 5 a.m. But the thing is, we don't assume that the witnesses are going to say, really, I meant 5 a.m. when it was still dark. So, so that ba- far back, we're not going to go. But they can, the, 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 in order to claim that they were really invalid witnesses, you have to cover the entire margin of error. And really, according to Rabbi Yehuda, who's talking about uh, for, that they're making a mistake between the third and the fifth hour, and that there's a three-hour margin of error. So really, it should go all the way from 6 a.m. all the way to the end of the sixth hour, right? Which is, uh, is all the way to 12 o'clock, because that's the... Now, and really, we could give them even more time than that. But again, we're assuming that people don't make mistakes... Uh, more than that, because even so, even if the guy that said the third hour meant eight a.m. beginning of the third hour, and really it should go back three hours, but we're not going to assume that the witnesses meant five a.m. because that's already still dark. The point is that in order for these witnesses to be uh, invalidated, the witnesses that claim to have been with them in another place have to uh, have been with them for the entire margin of error of time. Because otherwise, those witnesses that are being accused of false testimony can always say that they meant the beginning of the time, they meant the end of the time. They, this. they were not the time that they were with those other witnesses in the other place. Now, the Rashi points out that if you do that, and one witness actually says it was five o'clock, fifth hour, and one says it was third hour, and and then they and they're and these false, uh, you know, these these people are coming to invalidate them, claim that you know the you know uh, claim that they were with them at the, at that time, and so one witness says, well, I actually saw it earlier, and one witness says I actually saw it later. So then those two witnesses are going to be so far apart from each other that we can't assume that they're saying the same thing anymore. So they won't become edim zomimin. But they won't actually be able to create edut anymore because if the guy that said fifth hour meant all the way at the end and, and we're saying that it, he meant the end of the margin of error going up, he meant at 11.59, you know, and the one that said third hour <coughs> meant uh, at 6 a.m., you know, so going back, so then obviously they're not talking about the same thing anymore. Right? Right. If for one minute they saw them in a different place and physically they couldn't get to the place they claimed to be, that's also that's but Even on the other end, meaning the guy who said it was five hours, really it should go all the way to the seventh hour. He should have more of a margin of error because he should be able to say that I meant at the end of the fifth hour at eleven a.m. and really, you know, there's even more. Uh, you know, there's even more of a margin of error forward. But once you get to noontime, the, you know, the sun already shows 
that that margin of error doesn't count. So, so that as Rabbi Yehuda even said in the Mishnah, that once you're talking about five and seven, so that's already, well, that's already AM, PM, it's a different story. But either way, that's how we would have to do it. The witnesses would have to be able to claim that the false witnesses were with them during the entire margin of error of time. So it's now we learned in our Mishnah, back to Pesach. So according to Abaye's interpretation of Rabbi Meir, that people don't make a mistake. That people are exact. So So why can't a person eat chametz until the last minute of 1159? What's the problem? And even according to the version that Rabbi Meir says you can make a little bit of a mistake. So Why can't he at least eat until 1145? What you know? What, until the end of the hour, maybe not to the last second. But why can't he? Why does he have to stop an hour before? It's actually prohibited. <laughs> okay, yeah, but still, the question is: eat, they could eat while they're burning it or whatever, mm. right? So then, so then, and according to the first interpretation of Rabbi Yehuda was that people only make a mistake of a half hour. Mm. So, so, why can't you wait until 1130? And according to the one that says that they might be an hour margin of error, so again, so at least let the guy eat until 11 a.m. What's the problem? Okay? So, Abaye says there's a difference. Chametz is something for the public. In the public, people make bigger mistakes. But a dude, a person who's coming to testify, she explains it, coming to testify, he has to, he knows that he's going to be questioned. He says, He has to really know time in order to come testify because otherwise he knows that his testimony is going to be thrown out. So he's not going to bother coming. So in when it comes to chametz, which is for everybody, we, we assume or we worry about an even bigger margin of error than an edut. According to Rava's interpretation, the Rabbi Meir says there's a two-hour margin of error, not a small, right? Mitchilat hey lo nechol. So he says, from the beginning of the fifth hour, he shouldn't be able to eat. In other words, now we have the opposite question on, on Rabbi Meir, because before he said, right, that, that, um, that Rabbi Meir says that there's a two-hour margin of error, but Rabbi Meir actually says that you're, uh, that, uh, that um, you can't, that you, you're allowed to eat during the fifth hour. In other words, from 10 to 11, you're allowed to eat. But if there's a margin of error of two hours... So then, why sh- then really you shouldn't be able to eat from 10 a.m. to uh, to 11 because it could be that you'll make a mistake between 10 a.m. and and 12. So it says no because there, hey, chabab mizrach was chabab So over there, you know, we're not worried that a person is going to make a mistake between 11 between uh, 10 a.m. and uh, chatzot. It's too, because in chatzot you could see that from the sun that it's a difference. So we only impose the restriction starting at 11 when it's closer. Right, So then what, what about 11 a.m.? 11 a.m. also the sun is not directly overhead, but at that point the sun is kind of in the middle of the sky. Okay? So you can't exactly tell. 11 a.m. and 12, very close, very close. So therefore, they made that restriction at 11 a.m. But normally from 10, from 10 a.m., nobody's going to make a mistake between 10 a.m. and chatzot. So therefore, Rabbi Meir, even though he says that there could be a two-hour margin of error in judging time, he's not going to apply that here because the time is right before midday. So a person will be able to tell the difference between midday and 10 a.m. What about Rava's interpretation of Rabbi Yehuda? He said that Rabbi Yehuda allows for an almost three-hour margin of error. So a person shouldn't even be able to eat at 9 a.m. 
Right? Because that's within the three hours. Why are you letting him till 10 a.m.? Really, he should not be able to start eating. He should have to stop eating chametz at 9 a.m. then. Because there's a three-hour margin of error. Maybe he's going to make a mistake between that and chatzot. So again, it says, no, because... Hey, chabab mizach, mashewa chabab emarav. Right? So, v'kol sheken, dalit. If, if Rabbi Yehuda already said that a person knows the difference between 11 a.m. and 1 Right, because he knows that the you know that that the uh, right that the you know he knows the difference between where the sun is. So definitely nine a.m. He's not going to make a mistake. So then oh so okay so fine so then why don't you allow the person to eat from ten to eleven then in the fifth hour? What's the problem? So he'll say Abaye offered an answer for Rava. He said, even according to Rava, who says that the margin of error for Rabbi Yehuda is three hours, Abaye doesn't agree with that. He thinks the margin of error is only an hour at, at best. Right? He said, even according to my friend Rava, who said that it's three hours, still, the, the reason why is because when it comes to, uh, when it comes to Edut, he says, Chametz uh, is, is different than Edut. So in, when it comes to chametz, we have to be more strict. So even though it's true that a person will be able to tell the difference, an ed who comes to testify is not going to make a mistake between something that happened between the ten and you know between ten a.m. and eleven a.m. on one hand, and and twelve o'clock on the other hand, he's going to know the difference. But maybe an average person won't. So a person, so so that's why we we extend it all the way back to start at ten a.m. We don't say eleven a.m. is the starting point. We don't say yet. Uh, we don't say. About testimony, we would say something that happened at 11 a.m. and something that happened at 1 p.m., you're going to know the difference because of the sun. But we don't say that about something that happened at 10 a.m. for witnesses. But for an average person, we already are going to extend it back all the way to 10 a.m. But Rava says, no, I don't agree with your interpretation of what I said. He says, This is what you asked before. When is he going to destroy the chametz? So the rabbis made that time because since they want you to start burning the chametz at 11 a.m., if they let you eat chametz all the way up to 11 a.m., when are you going to get the fire ready? Right? So you got to go get your, your wood. Okay. That's, uh, you have to go get wood. You have to collect wood. You have to prepare. You have to gather it, this and that. So, 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 right. So, so, so you need that last hour to force you basically stop, get up, stop eating your chametz and start burning it. So you got to get ready. Right? However... Now there's a big machlok between Rashi and Tosafot what this means. But Rashi says that what does this mean? When do you have to destroy the chametz with burning? Because we know that Rabbi Yehuda says en biur chametz el so you have to destroy it by burning. When is that? That you have to destroy, uh, destroy it by burning? Only shelo bishat biro. Not at the time of its destruction. Rashi says that means that that uh, at a, in the eleven a.m. hour, meaning from eleven a.m. to twelve, you that is where what shelob bishat biro. That means that that that's when you have to burn the chametz at that time, right? But any other time is uh, You can do it with anything. Meaning that once the to- once the prohibition of chametz comes at chatzot. Now you uh, you can destroy it with anything. You don't have to actually burn it anymore. Okay, that's that's the Rashi's interpretation. Tosfot has the opposite. He says no. Shelo b'shat means that when you destroy chametz after chatzot, 
then you have to burn it. But even according to Rabbi Yehuda, if you're destroying it before the prohibition begins, then you can use any method. That fits a little bit more smoothly with the Gemara because then we understand what it means. It means, therefore, you don't have to collect wood during that time because uh, according to Rabbi Yehuda, collecting of wood is not necessary if you're doing the chametz burning at 11 a.m. It's only necessary if you do it afterwards. According to Tosafot, that fits very well. According to Rashi, Rashi will say that... Um, that, uh, no, what it means is if he doesn't have wood and he has to collect it, so just wait until Chatzot, where that rule doesn't apply anymore, and then destroy it then. Either way, the point is that since burning it is not indispensable, the rabbis wouldn't have made a rule prohibiting you from eating chametz uh, an extra hour just to enable you to burn the chametz. Because maybe you're not going to burn the chametz, or maybe it's going to be too difficult, or maybe you're going to destroy it another way, even according to Rabbi Yehuda, sometimes that's legitimate. Ela Amar Rava, rather Rava said, and this is what's brought as the halacha. The reason is because of cloudy days. The reason why Rabbi Yehuda is concerned is because of a cloudy day where you can't see the sun. If that's true, then how can we eat it even up to 10 a.m.? That's when everyone has breakfast. Everyone breakfast time, right? Everyone knows what time is breakfast. And so therefore, since everyone's eating breakfast, they know that's a normal time. As soon as breakfast time is over... Now, since it's possible that it'll be very cloudy, dark in the sky, you can't tell the position of the sun, they made an extra hour to prevent people from making that mistake.